Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. Hey gang, I'm halfway through a book that I believe is going to be a big hit. The Immortality Key... The Secret History of the Religion with No Name. The author is Brian Murarescu. I hope I did well by his name. Hey, Brian, thanks so much for being here. How's it going, Michael? Good to hear you. Murarescu. That was pretty good. I might might say Murarescu. Murarescu. Ooh, wow. (laughs) Murarescu. From a Philly guy, really? Murarescu. Murarescu. (laughs) Um, Let me go there right off the bat. If the original Eucharist was, in fact, psychedelic, does that mean that the foundation of religion is all imaginary and the stuff of dreams? If you ask the ancient Greeks, they would say absolutely. Uh, So a a big part of this book is trying to investigate the mysteries of Eleusis. And it's not something you hear about in your high school mythology class, but Eleusis was essentially the, the capital uh, of, of, the, of the ancient world, the spiritual capital where everyone from Plato to Marcus Aurelius made this pilgrimage from Athens to Eleusis to drink a magical potion and have a vision where they say they obliterated their fear of death and became gods. 
But if you have to use drugs to find God, what does that say about God's desire to be found? It's a great question. I don't think you need drugs to find God, as a matter of fact. And I try to make that, that point very clear. What, what I'm investigating is this hypothesis that psychedelic drugs were used by some Greeks in the ancient world, and that that tradition may have been passed on to some of the earliest Christians who, as we know, were all Greek-speaking, like in Corinth, for example. Remember Paul's letter to the Corinthians. That's only one hour west of Eleusis, the same place where these folks were making pilgrimages to potentially use drugs to find God. You sent me a really nice email which caught my eye and then and then made me keep an eye out for your book and it began this way i hope you don't mind if i read the beginning of it i'm a 40, sure. i'm a 40 year old virgin no i'm sorry i'm a 40 year old <laughs> attorney oh, see that murdescu has a sense of humor thank you brian i'm i'm not appreciated here i'm a 40 year old attorney in washington dc on nights and weekends over the past 12 years i've been trying to crack what the most influential religious scholar of the 20th century, Houston Smith, once referred to as the best kept secret in history. Did the ancient Greeks use drugs to find God? And did the earliest Christians inherit the same secret tradition? Because the origins of Western civilization and the future of the world's biggest religion are at stake, controversy has swirled around these questions for generations. A bitter and often vicious debate only fueled by the lack of any hard scientific evidence to prove the case. What made you interested in this? What set you on this journey? Uh, It all starts in Philadelphia, believe it or not. Uh, So uh, I was raised Catholic, and when I was 13 years old, I applied uh, to enter St. Joe's Prep and miraculously got in. Uh, Not just that, had a scholarship. Uh, given to me, uh, which was pretty much the only way I was going to go to St. Joe's Prep, uh, and uh, found myself learning Latin and Greek. Uh, My mentor was Dr. Henry Victor, uh, who at the time was also teaching at St. Joe's University, so I was essentially getting a university education in Latin and Greek as a teenager, and wound up uh, being recruited to Brown University to continue that. So I know these, these sound like lots of crazy ideas, but, you know, this, this idea of the psychedelic origins of religion is not my idea, and it just swept me away well into my 20s. I took a hard left turn into law school, had been practicing law for the past 15 years, but I couldn't get over this idea of the best-kept secret in history. Uh, and there's not much hard evidence for this stuff, so I set out 12 years ago to see if I could put these very controversial ideas the 21st century test to see if science could finally leverage and shed some light on this very controversial topic. Brian, I know nothing of this world. I am not Joe Rogan. Um, I'm not familiar with Michael Pollan. I'll tell you a funny thing. I was once on Bill Maher one night and my sons were ecstatic. Why? Because Michael Pollan was one of the guests that night. I'd, I'd never read, still haven't read how to change your mind. Um, it's lost on me. I, I don't know the work of Graham Hancock. I discussed you at dinner last night. One of our boys has read Supernatural. Uh, Greg Nagy, I'm not familiar with the work. So you need to spoon feed me because I want to assume that my audience is like me before I started to read The Immortality Key. DMT doesn't roll off my lips the way that it does Rogan's. I'd never heard of Ergot before. I'd never heard of Eleusis before. So how can we work this through without giving it all away? 
Uh, so I was in the exact same position as you. I mean that honestly. To this day, I've never done psychedelics. I don't have any real interest in doing it right now. What blew me away is when I, I started reading the very first studies that came out of Johns Hopkins. Uh, they started in the early 2000s after a long hiatus. Uh, and uh, one of the very first studies uh, I was reading in 2007, and it had this amazing statistic about these folks who'd gone through this, this experiment with a single dose of psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. And this amazing statistic that two-thirds of the volunteers wound up describing it as either the single most meaningful experience of their entire lives or among the top five. And the second I read that, given my classical mind, I immediately started thinking about Eleusis. Again, this ancient spiritual capital 2,500 years ago, where people would show up, drink a potion, have a vision of God, essentially. And the very little testimony that survived from folks like Plato and Cicero and Marcus Aurelius is very similar. This was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. You didn't go to Eleusis every year. You went once in your life, and from that one time, everybody who walked away almost universally said they had conquered their fear of death. Very similar to what these volunteers are, are saying about their experience with psilocybin. And from that moment on, I was, I was hooked. By the way, for the benefit of those who, who've not heard of the book, uh, much less started to read it yet, the immortality key is like the Da Vinci Code, right? I mean, it's like a real life. You are the protagonist on a mission, on a search. You're, you're, you're under uh, the roadways of, of Rome, you know, in Vatican City, figuring out what they've got in their catacombs. It's that, it's that kind of an investigation over the span of 12 years that you've taken. I look under every rock. I go to the hidden collections of the Louvre Museum. I go literally into the secret archives of the Vatican. I, I go spelunking into the subterranean catacombs under Rome. I speak with the world's top beer scientists. I go to these archaeological sites. And the reason is, I mean, I really can't explain it. I'm just a, a normal guy here outside Washington, D.C., a proud father of two daughters, happily married to my wonderful wife. And for some reason, I couldn't, I couldn't escape this notion of the best-kept secret. Uh, and what, what I really wanted to do was find some science. And so I spent years and years and years reading through these phenomenally boring archaeobotany journals and talking to botanists and chemists who were actually going out into the field and trying to look for evidence of drugs in the ancient world. There is residue. There are things that remain in these ancient chalices incredibly preserved over centuries and centuries. And lo and behold, they are finding the residue of some psychoactive drugs. And this is, this is fairly new, only over the past 10, 20 years. Where, where does Eleusis fit on a continuum of the history of the world? Or are we talking before or after Jerusalem? We're talking before. I'm glad you asked that. I, I, I say Eleusis is the hub of the ancient Greek world. And so we think about all these wonderful things that the Greeks gave to us and all the things that I was learning as a teenager democracy, the arts, the sciences, philosophy, what you and I are doing right now, this, this, this kind of Socratic question and answer, it's all Greek. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't the center of their life. You know, so Cicero, uh, in the early cent first century BC, he says Eleusis is the, the, the most divine and exceptional thing that Athens ever gave us, right? And, and that all the rest of it is just kind of the spokes of this wheel. So Eleusis survives from, we think, 1500 BC, to the 4th century AD, when it's obliterated by the Christianized Roman Empire. 
and it disappears. You know, paganism goes off the map. And I kind of question why that happened and, and what happened to these, to these secrets. And maybe we can, using science, actually peer into the past and for the first time figure out what really motivated our ancestors. But it was a literal place, not a figurative place. It's not a concept. It was a, a real destination. It's a real-life temple 13 miles northwest of Athens in this tiny town called Eleusis, which, ironically enough, is going to be uh, the European capital of culture next year, which we anticipated, because it's a pretty small town that no one knows about. But again, it, it was, the, I, I call it the, the spiritual capital of the ancient world. It, it was there before uh, the first temple period in Jerusalem. It's there before Rome. It's there before Mecca. And, you know, we have this idea that the Greeks drafted the very blueprints for Western civilization, and then Christianity comes along and saves our soul. But if you ask Plato, he and the other initiates went to Eleusis, and they found salvation. Does all religion flow from Eleusis or just Christianity? I think Eleusis and the other mystery traditions had an influence on, on Christianity. And, and I think that scholars are referring to the time when Eleusis was in vogue as an ancient cultural internet. There was lots of borrowing from, from, from the older faith. And as a matter of fact, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. himself wrote a paper in 1950 about this concept, the pagan continuity hypothesis, that the older religions influenced the newer religions. Uh, so, you know, this, is, this wasn't always such a controversial idea. The drugs certainly makes it more controversial, but I'm arguing today, and I wrote this book to show that, you know, science is really looking into this stuff, and it deserves a sober look uh, from folks like me who don't do drugs and, and your audience uh, and, and things that we don't always hear about. This is Brian Murarescu. The book is titled The Immortality Key. What does, what does the conclusion of the book, I'm trying not to give too much away, but what, will, what impact will it have on a discussion as between people of faith and agnostics or atheists? It's a great question. The, the, the folks who, the volunteers who come out of these experiments at Hopkins and NYU a lot of them talk about the mystical experience at the core of their psilocybin journey. Some of them speak in religious language. I talked to an atheist named Dinah Bazer who describes her one experience with psilocybin as being bathed in God's love. This was a woman who was diagnosed with terminal cancer and went through this trial to uh, mitigate her anxiety, and she walks away saying she'd been bathed in God's love. That's from an atheist. And so I looked, I looked to these substances, um, if they can be used in a, in a controlled setting, uh, in a supervised way, with trained personnel, maybe, maybe only once in your life. I can envision that uh, you know, really helping people with their faith, um, empowering their faith, or maybe raising the concept of faith for the first time in someone's life, giving them that sense of, of rapture. Now, it's all illegal, and so we can't do this today, but I'm thinking 10 years in the future after some of these medicines have their FDA approval and there are regulated licensed centers up and running, I'm really thinking 10 years ahead to what this could all mean. Well, as I'm, okay, I'm, I'm glad that it seems like I'm taking away the right messages from the book. I'm looking big picture at a, at a pair of things. One of them is the, the debate on the origin of religion. Um, you're shining a big light on, on, on much of what we've come to learn over the years, those of us who were raised in any part of a faith. But secondarily, there's a part of this tale that raises treatment issues in the modern world. Yeah, I say it's just as much about the future as it is about the past. I mean, mm -hmm. we know that visionary experiences are a huge part of the origins of religion. 
Moses in the burning bush, uh, Paul on the road to Damascus. So, so visionary experiences uh, did happen, and they were common. The role of drugs is something we're thinking about as a part of that experience. Uh, and then into the future, if this was happening that long ago and our neurochemistry hasn't changed, what does it mean that we have this biotechnology available today that seems to reliably produce these mystical experiences. How can we leverage that? But with regard to the first, you know that people will say, in fact, Graham Hancock probably, if I understood what he was communicating in the forward, probably looks at this as, as the best argument that's ever been written for atheism. I mean, it was all invented, <laughs> it was all invented out of whole cloth as someone's hallucination. Uh, well, such is life. Such is life. This is, this is what Plato said, that we're living in a, an illusion. That that's not an esoteric concept from Buddhism. The founders of Western civilization thought that we were living uh, out a shadow play, right? This, this, is, this is Plato's old, uh, old cave imagery. Uh, so if you, if you ask them, um, this conversation right now isn't happening. None of us exist. Uh, so this is, you know, this is the philosophy that birthed the world as, as we know it. Uh, things were very different 2,500 but, years but, ago. But Brian, can I believe in a virgin birth, death, and resurrection, knowing that it was all the product of a hallucination from psilocybin? Uh, I, I don't think that was the case. Uh, I, I think that the, the, these ideas emanate from the irrational wellsprings of human consciousness by any number of means, uh, through meditation and fasting and, and all these uh, esoteric spiritual exercises that have survived since time immemorial, from traditional societies to Christianity to today. I think drugs are, are, a, are a small but overlooked part of, of that story. Hey, Brian, I am loving this. Sit tight, because I want to take a break. I don't want to feel rushed. Gang, Brian Morarescu is my guest. The book is called The Immortality Key. More of this in just a moment. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the super light tree runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the super light tree runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. 
Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day and you say, uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. More now with my special guest, Brian Morarescu. His book is called The Immortality Key. The Secret History of the Religion with No Name, His Search for the Quote-Unquote Best-Kept Secret in History. Um, Brian, I think as a, a means of introducing those who've just tuned in to us, wrote me a great letter back in August before his book was released, describing for me his growing up in Philadelphia, his attendance of St. Joe's Prep with the Jesuits, and then says, what I really wanted was to become a priest. But after Georgetown Law, I somehow ended up on Wall Street hating my life as a lawyer. When I landed the book deal with St. Martin's, I finally quit my very stable job as an attorney. And despite two young daughters at home, I set off for a real life adventure. I toured the ruins of Greece with government archaeologists. I gained access to the hidden collections of the Louvre Museum. I unraveled the ancient Greek of the New Testament with the world's most controversial priest at a bar in Paris. I spelunked into the catacombs under the streets of Rome to decipher the lost symbols of Christianity's oldest monuments. I breached the Vatican's secret archives to unearth manuscripts never before translated into English. And with leads from your neighbor at the University of Pennsylvania, a brilliant archaeochemist and friend named Pat McGovern, I'm about to unveil the first data for the ritual use of psychedelics in classical antiquity. Beer laced with ergot, the natural fungus that produces LSD dating to the second century BC from an ancient chapel in Spain, and two, wine laced with opium, cannabis, henbane, and black nightshade dating to 79 AD from an ancient pharmacy in Pompeii. Neither has ever been reported across the English speaking world. 
That's the sort of thing that you get on this one-man journey, Da Vinci Code-like, into a search for whether the ancient Greeks used drugs to find God. Okay. On the dedication page, I think mine was an advanced copy. It said this, if you die before you die, you won't die when you die. Where does that come from, and why did you put it in that position in the book? That is inscribed on a plaque in St. Paul's Monastery at Mount Athos, which is one of the, the holiest sites in Orthodox Christianity. In Greek, it's an pathanis prim pathanis atenta pathanis oton pathanis. And that is essentially the key to immortality. The key to immortality, as taught by the ancient Greeks, or at least some, some mystics uh, involved uh, with the ancient Greeks, and even early Christians, whom we call Gnostics, they, they did believe in this concept of dying to the self in, in, in an experience that was uh, acutely and terrifyingly real to them. You had to actually believe that a part of you was slipping away. And then there's this rebirth. Again, it's exactly how Dinah Baser describes her experience with, with psilocybin, that she felt a dissolution or a melting away, as if everything she'd ever known about herself was just disappearing. And only then, when you get to that point of self-nullification, does this new identity come in, this concept that maybe there's a part of us, maybe there's a part of consciousness that transcends the body and transcends death. Said differently, people who have had experience with hallucinogenics, I'm not going to paint with a broad brush and say all, but seemingly have less of a fear of death than those of us who haven't. This is, this is exactly what the folks in the Hopkins and NYU trials are saying. The, the, this joint publication in 2016 said exactly that, and they are now investigating psilocybin specifically for end-of-life distress because these volunteers talk, talk about entering uh, a place of timelessness. And they even say that the experience is like a foreshadowing of their own death so that by the time death comes, it's familiar territory for them and it's not scary. And they're left with this curious sense of, of certainty that something about them survives. So you've been on this 12-year quest to investigate the best-kept secret. What has it done to your personal desire or lack of a desire to try hallucinogenics? Yeah, I talked about this a lot with, with Joe Rogan, and they were making fun of me for being a psychedelic virgin. Uh, yeah, of course, I'm interested in the experience. What I'm, what I'm more interested in um, are the implications and, and the conversations. And, you know, I, I would personally, um, I, 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 find, I find lessons in the ancient mysteries. Uh, you know, I talked about Eleusis being this once-in-a-lifetime experience. You would prepare for months, if not years, in advance. You would integrate the experience afterwards. That's the kind of thing that I can envision um, being incorporated into uh, these modern initiations, using psilocybin, for example. And this would be 10 years from now. Uh, we're, not, we're not quite there yet. But I would like to, to spiritualize the, that, that experience. And I tap back into to my Jesuit roots and those spiritual exercises. I, I can see people preparing in a very methodical way uh, with psychological and emotional preparation to, to undergo this death and rebirth. It, it, again, it feels like a very real death and rebirth, but if done properly, uh, it, it could, it could uh, be extraordinary. It sounds like you're not ruling it out, and indeed it might be something you're looking forward to experiencing in the future. At some point, you and me both. Uh, you know, I must say, I, I don't know what I think about about my willingness. I don't know. I'm a little frightened by the the whole concept in the same way I get frightened by edibles. I, I just, I'm not sure where exactly that's going to take me. Um, 
but maybe a subject for a different. When you're ready, call me, and maybe, maybe, maybe I'll be your compatriot. Hey, uh, it, it's a it's a heady subject for for someone who's not yet read the book, and I want to make sure that we're giving them the takeaway that encapsulates what it's all about. How would you sum up? Right. So I essentially am asking these two questions: Did the ancient Greeks use drugs to find God? Did the earliest Christians inherit that same tradition? And what does this all mean about the past and the future? You know, I, I will say, I know this sounds crazy, the book is packed with close to 700 endnotes. Right. I talked to the, the, the world's leading experts in biblical studies, in archaeochemistry, in classics and linguistics, and beer science. Um, you know, as a lawyer, I, I, really, I really put myself to task here to make sure I surround myself with the experts but then explain it in a way people can actually follow. So you don't need to know anything about these subjects. From page one, I take you clue by clue over the past 12 years of my life to show you why I went from skeptic to believer, at least in the potential of these substances and and the need for a sober academic discussion. Well, can I just throw in my two cents? It's very approachable. Uh, It's chock full of information, but it's a journey. It's a fun ride because we are with you in your exploration of of trying to get to the bottom of what you regard as the best kept secret in history. Yeah, I mean, you know, I grew up watching Indiana Jones in the Bustleton neighborhood of Northeast Philly, and I read Da Vinci Code in my 20s. And these are the things that that inspired me. I wanted to, to, to put together a rock solid piece of scholarship, but I wanted to do it in a fun way. That, that anybody can just jump in and have fun with me going to visit some of these the, the most iconic places on the planet, these archives and libraries and sites. And uh, I hope you have fun with it. Brian Murarescu. How'd I do that time? OK, I hope that was perfection. Hey, Brian, I really do think you've got something big on your hands here. I, I, I would be shocked if you didn't really light a, uh, a fuse because it's it's fascinating subject matter and i would like to think there are a lot of people like me who know nothing about it who will have their eyes open so good luck thank you so much i really appreciate this the immortality key the secret history of the religion with no name brian moradescu graham hancock in the forward to the book has a paragraph that really sums up nicely what it's all about he says this quote unquote primitive christianity as Brian convincingly argues here, started out around 2,000 years ago as merely the latest form or incarnation of this archaic religion, and, at least in some cases, seems to have made use of bread and wine infused with psychedelic plants and fungi as its sacrament. At that time, because Christianity was persecuted under the Roman Empire until the reign of Constantine, A.D. 306 to 337, it was normal practice for its adherents to meet secretly in small groups, to eat the bread and drink the wine of Holy Communion, and afterward experience powerful and deeply meaningful beatific visions. And more often than not, these secret ceremonies of direct experiential communion— with the divine, were led by women, with men playing a secondary role. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east, or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. 
spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.